Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey everybody, Wendy Sellers here in JC. We are talking about AI in the workplace, the risks and the rewards. Amazing risks and tons of rewards. And I actually got a real quick story for you if you're down for it. Go for it. All right, look, I was in the broadcast industry for a very extended period of time. And when I go back to like the year 2000, 2002, in that range, early 2000s, we were going through a digital transition. We were moving technology from what was a manual task to something that was much, much more automated. And the interesting thing here is people that were uh, television engineers were so concerned as master control operators and people in between that they were going to lose their jobs. And many people did due to poor managerial choices. But the smart people, and I had the blessed opportunity to consult with many of them, took those people that had those specific skills, knowledge, and abilities on what it takes to manually perform the task. They invested in their people, they retooled them, and put them in charge of the automation. So it always had that human presence, and they were much more successful than the companies that just cut the people and let that knowledge walk out the door. Right. I mean, you need to have, you need to understand what your your technology system does, how it does it. So specifically related to HR, recruiting, um, if you're doing analytics on, you know, performance management or, you know, how long does it take people to be fully trained? You need to understand this this robot, this technology system. It, it can only do so much. It's data in, data out. And if you don't have the right data in there or any data in there, um, if you're not tracking things like, um, simple things like, like uh, you know, the personal characteristics of your employees, race, gender, gender orientation, ability, disability. And then you're trying to run an analytics to see, okay, um, are we unintentionally discriminating? Are we choosing more, more of one type person than another? Well, you can't even do that except for, you know, go around and ask people. What I found is once you're in an organization, so let's just say, you know, I go and I start a new job today. They ask me for all these forms and everything, all this information. I put all this stuff usually on a piece of paper or now in technology. If you don't ask it for of me up front, I'm going to be weary of you when you ask it down the road. You know, when you ask it like three months down the road or uh, three years down the road, like, hey, yeah. we'd like to now know your marital status or your gender orientation. It's like, what? Oh, why? Right. So for, for many of you that are listening, you may not have this information because you just didn't think of it at that time and you only had a payroll system and it didn't ask for that information. So when you're now going to gather this data to really do analysis on bias and discrimination, you have to train the team doing it. Um, how do you sell it to people? You got to train your managers. Why are we collecting this? And then you have to have conversations with your employees of why are we having collecting this information? What are we going to do with it? Who's going to have access to it? And you're safe with giving this information to HR. Nobody else will have access to it. Problem is when you accidentally let a report slip and you only have one person in your company that has X, you know, um, characteristic, everybody knows who it is. So you got to be very, very careful when any kind of data 
that it doesn't end up in the wrong hands. Interestingly, if, uh, you know, back in the day you bought a software system, if you went with the lowest bidder, sometimes there might be something slipped in there that you did not expect, right? Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you're collecting information on the hairstyle of the individual when you maybe shouldn't be doing that. AI does lend credence to the potential of having more constraints so that you're not placing yourself in risk of collecting information that you shouldn't. Look, businesses that see how important this change is and act on it first, they're going to be in a very good position, even more so because AI systems like ChatGPT, it's just the first of many similar chatbots that are going to soon be available. Google's investing $10 million, Lambda's taking off, and look, because their capacity is growing by a factor of 10 each year, you're going to be pivoted and, and put in a brand new position that puts you at the top of the food chain. At first glance, talking about ChatGPT, it might look like a very simple fun toy, but on a technical level, it works just like any other AI system. It, But it, it does what it does better than any of the others. People have been using Twitter for strange and funny things ever since it started, like writing weight loss plans or, or, or children's books or, or giving instructions on how to remove a peanut butter sandwich from a VCR. Um, there's other reasons to be skeptical besides the unusual uses. You know, AI has been talked up for a lot of years. But other than data analysis, it doesn't really work in most situations. It does a pretty good job of steering cars, but sometimes it hits another car. Most of the time it gives good <laughs> answers to questions, but sometimes it seems to make up the results. But more research continues to show that there's a lot more potential. And the more you look, the more you can see how this model has changed and why it seems to be at a crossroads right now more than ever before. Yeah, in reference to chat GPT, in case uh, anybody who's listening doesn't know what we're talking about, what rock you're living under, because it's all over the news. But JC actually introduced it to me. And I, I, I just like, whoa, blew my mind. I started just asking it HR questions. Yeah. And it was giving me full policies and step-by-step -step instructions. Now, again, it's data in, data out, right? So chat GPT uses data, um, not recent data, data from the past, probably from oh, a, a gazillion. Is that a number? A gazillion. <laughs> oh, actually, you know? it's, it's like from the start of time, everything known to man, every language, every code language, everything like that, all the way up to 2021 as it's still in right. its test phase. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's not going to give us any information. If a new law came out that affected most businesses in uh, HR law or something like that it was in 2022, unless it was talked about in 2021, it's not going to come up in the chat GBT uh, system. But I used it like quickly just to write a few articles. I just said asking questions. I was like, this is so cool. Uh, and then here's another one, JC. I asked it. I went into chat GPT and said, how can we trust AI? And oh, no. it came up. Yeah, it did? The answers were, yeah, I was like, it was well, honest. It, it says trusting AI can be a complex issue because it involves evaluating the capabilities and limitations of the AI system, as well as considering the potential risks and benefits of using it. Here are a few things to consider when thinking about trust in AI. And then it goes and lists them. You know, number one, understanding the AI system. So whatever technology tool you're using, you yeah. have to, you and the users have to understand it. Uh, number two, considering the, the risks and the benefits, uh, the potential risks, you know, it could definitely be like what we talked about, bias, something like that. And then it could also violate some privacy laws. I would imagine the EEOC, the Department of Labor, Department of Justice is going to be handling that. 
Number three, it listed evaluate the re reliability and robustness of the AI system, uh, making sure that it has been tested in various situations. Number four, establish clear guidelines and oversight. And this is where I say, hey, have a human involved. <laughs> and number five, keep learning because the AI technology is going to continue to change. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that was awesome. And then uh, I think it was just yesterday or the day before uh, college. It was, it was a couple of days that you know, a college student wrote a plagiarism detector because you can plagiarize an entire article, a resume, a cover letter. All you got to do is ask this this robot, you know, via your internet. Um, hey, can you write me this paper on blah? And it does. And I, I told you, JC, then I, I wrote a few things and then ran it through plagiarism checkers yeah. and it came up as zero plagiarism. I'm like, how can that be? I did not write that. Right. Like that was taken from not my mind. So a college student just wrote a plagiarizing de detector. So like you just said, AI is going to keep going and going and going. And, and for credit there, that's Edward Tien. He's a 22 year old senior at Princeton University. And he created an app that can detect whether the text was written specifically by ChatGPT, that viral chatbot that we keep talking about that's raising concerns for potential unethical uses, specifically in academia in this instance. I want to talk a little bit more about HR, um, I'm sorry, AI and recruiting when we come right back in episode three. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast, brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.